Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Hey everybody, happy Mother's Day. Um, I said this in person the other week, but Mother's Day is my favorite day of the year. Um, it's a chance that we get to just like honor all the mums. Um, I've said it, but my, my mum's literally an angel. I, in fact, I hope she's watching it. I hope she's watching it. Um, so if you have a mum in the country, make sure you go see her today. Make sure you give her a phone call, whatever it is, um, because Mother's Day is the best and all the mums are the best. So happy Mother's Day, everybody. If you're a mum and you're watching this, um, you're so appreciated. Um, and we're so stoked that you're tuning in. I'm going uh, to get right into this bad boy. And we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. Uh, a bit of a long scripture, so bear with me. Um, but it says this, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to land before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow? Who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your friends are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Uh, Lord, we just thank you um, that you are good. We thank you that we do get to see remarkable things uh, when you move. Uh, we thank you for the story. We thank you um, that you forgive sins. We thank you that you're a healer. Um, we thank you that you are worth a crowd. Um, so Lord, we just give you all the glory, all the honor today. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to your people, speak through me, help me. <laughs> um, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you're taking notes today, the title of this sermon is called Lessons from Friends. Um, it's called Lessons from Friends because um, everything that I'm about to share, all of these points, all of these um, uh, you know, um, different things that, that, that I'm going to say to you today have all been stolen. All of these have been given to me by um, friends or, or, or other people. I am metaphorically today um, the man that was lowered by his friends um, on the mat to be able to um, uh, bring this to you today. So that's why it's called Lessons from Friends, as well as obviously um, what we can learn from this scripture about the friends and, 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 and these observations. The, ob the observations that I've stolen from these friends of mine are the following. Uh, we can see the friends, the crowd, their faith, and the miracles. The first point today is the, the, the friends. Luke 5 verse 18 says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Charles Spurgeon is the first friend um, who I'm going to steal, whose point I'm going to steal today. Charles Spurgeon, um, on the qualities the men had to possess, says this, They need to be strong, for the burden is heavy. They need to be resolute, for the work will try their faith. They need to be prayerful, for otherwise they labor in vain. They must be believing, or they will be utterly useless. I think the quote from Spurgeon here is a great indicator um, in what we should be looking for in our friends, uh, what we should be looking for in the type of people that are going to um, be able to kind of carry us and are going to bring us before Jesus and are going to um, lower us when we need it and, and, and help us. And these um, uh, uh, traits are strong, resolute, prayerful, and believing. 
simultaneously, I think that this is a great call for the type of people we should aspire to be like, the type of friends we should be like. So one, we should be looking to have um, these kind of friends, but then in order to kind of have these friends, we should also be looking to be, to be like these. So again, these traits are strong, resolute, prayerful, and believing. In other words, my mum. <laughs> so the first point here is that the friends are strong. Psalms 121, 1 verse 2 says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says this, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All of these verses are a great example of where our strength comes from. It comes from the Lord and His power, the Lord, um, uh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It comes from His joy. Uh, it comes from uh, Christ. It comes from um, a power that, that is inside of us and can strengthen us. However, the preceding um, passages to the verses that I read aren't actually the most encouraging, but instead it almost promises um, that life does get tough. In Psalms 120, uh, sorry, Psalms 120, the first passage before, before 121, um, this is the first of 15 songs of ascent, so I think it's okay to kind of connect these two together. In Psalms 120, the psalmist describes living in distress, being among those who hate peace, and it uh, talks about uh, asking the Lord to save them. The story in Nehemiah is that um, uh, the people of Israel had recently discovered that they were not living in God's will for their lives. They were not living in God's plan and were weeping at how distant they had become as a nation from Him. The earlier verses in Philippians, Paul explains that he, is, um, uh, that he knows what it is to be low, that he knows what it is to face plenty, he knows what it is to experience hunger. The verses that I read aren't a, a, a promise um, that his strength equals an easy life, but rather his strength allows us to continue on. For us, we can think that um, a strong friend is someone that continues to look to the Lord during tough times. A strong friend is one that repents when they aren't living in God's plan. A strong friend is someone that is joyous. A strong friend is someone that is content. A strong friend is able to take on the burdens of others because they give theirs to the Lord. A strong friend ensures that others enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, thinking beyond themselves. Find friends like this. Be a friend like this. The next point here is that, that, that um, Spurgeon makes is that the friends were resolute. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Romans 5 verse 3, verse, uh, 3 to 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These are tough verses. These verses, when I read them, I'm like, I'm like yuck, ooh. First of all, Hebrews talks about running. I hate running. I literally retired from Soulmates Running Club because I hate running that much. Romans talks about um, uh, uh, suffering, how suffering produces endurance, how endurance produces character. And um, these, again, are, are, are not um, verses that promise an easy life, um, but instead these are verses that actually promise um, uh, that we need this endurance, that we need to be resolute. A resolute friend is someone that lays aside their sin. A resolute friend is someone that doesn't give up on others when it gets tough. A resolute friend doesn't give up on Christ when it gets tough. A resolute friend runs their race, not comparing themselves to others. A resolute friend has character. A resolute friend gives hope. A resolute friend doesn't put others to shame. Find friends like this. 
Be a friend like this. The next point that Spurgeon makes is that the friends were prayerful. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. James 5, verse 13 to 15 says, is, any, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then yeah, let's, let's normalize praying. Let's normalize praying for each other. Um, a question, and maybe, maybe for you, you, you do this all the time, in which case you can mentally switch off for just a moment. But when is the last time that you pray for someone um, outside of like a church gathering, a first Sunday, um, outside of a group, outside of kind of like an environment that it's almost like either expected or there's kind of like an easy icebreaker for you to pray. Um, and again, maybe you do it often, but if you don't, then, 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 and, and if you're like me, then this is a challenge for us that we need to normalize praying as Christians. People that pray are awesome. They're the first person that I go to, um, you know, when things get hard. They're the first person I go to when I have something important coming up. They're the first uh, people I go to when, you know, I've got something major, like a major faith goal. They're the first people that you think of um, uh, when you need to have some kind of breakthrough in your life. I think that um, for us, imagine if we could go to anyone, though. Imagine if we did normalize prayer as, as Christians, as a community, um, and we could go outside of that kind of like internal three to seven people that we normally have when we think of, oh, we need prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this person, this person, this person. Imagine if we could just ask the person that's next to us, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray um, while I'm going through this? I'm talking about um, uh, leaders for sure, friends for sure, people that we're leading. All of those things, if we can normalize prayer um, in a church context and just kind of everyday life, um, then I think we see that something powerful can happen. We see here that um, uh, 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 a, prayer, a prayerful friend is someone that is grateful. A prayerful friend is someone that is living in God's will. A prayerful friend is someone that you think of when you're in trouble. A prayerful friend is someone that has faith for healing. And a prayerful friend is someone that has faith for miracles. Find friends like this. Be a friend like this. The last point that, uh, that Spurgeon makes here is that the friends were believing. And I think that um, when, you, when you combine all of these things, when you find someone that is, that is strong, uh, when you find someone that is resolute, when you find someone that is prayerful, then what you get is you get this combination of someone that is believing, like really believing, like present tense believing, not just a believer or not just like believed, but someone who is presently right now believing. And there is nothing like getting around people that are believing and excited. The other day, I, um, I dropped Tyler off years ago. He, he works at Halo Car Wash. So I had to drop him off in Nepean. Um, he had to drop something off for work. They, they didn't have a car at the moment. You know when you start giving like, uh, it, was a, it was a Monday afternoon, the sun was shining, you know, like details that don't matter. Um, so he had to drop something off at his work. And while we're driving out there, he goes, bro, I'm going to try to get you a free car wash. And mentally when he said that, I was like, you know, that's cool. I can get the free car wash. I'll probably use it at, at like a later date. Um, you know, I was like, I'll just use it when it's convenient. I drive a 2001 Toyota Corolla. I just got it washed after winter. It's kind of like, you know, I want, I want to look after the car, but I'm not like desperate for it to look absolutely gorgeous all the time. So then I, dro I dropped Tyler off. He, 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 uh, he uh, runs his things inside. He comes back out. He has like the little uh, receipt with the coat on it. He gets in the car and he goes, he goes, bro. He goes, I got the car wash. He goes, I've never done that before. I've never been able to get a friend a free car wash. And I'm, I'm so excited. We, you know, we, we can go through the car wash right now. And initially I was like, 
yeah, you know, we can, we could go through the car wash, it's whatever. And he goes, bro, like, you know, and he, and he starts like getting all like giddy inside of me and stuff. And as, as, I, as I'm reversing out of the car park that I was in to start heading towards the car wash, his bubbling excitement and his joy and his like, um, uh, just like shamelessness of asking me and getting me on board to do the car wash right now that there was no other option, that this is what we had to do, made me start getting excited. Now I'm like, bro, I'm actually, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting to go through this car wash. And so together we went through the car wash and no, like, it's cool, but it's still, just, it's, it's a car wash. It's just a car wash. But because he managed to jump in the car, he was excited, he was passionate, that had an overflow effect on me. And this was, um, uh, 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 you know, this is for a car. This is for a car wash. This is to wash my wonderful 2001 Toyota Corolla. This wasn't even for Jesus. Imagine if we could be people that are, that are really believing. We could be people that are present tense believing, having that same excitement and passion and combining being strong, resolute, being prayerful. All of these things bundled together um, uh, brings out that excitement that we can actually make a difference, you know? We can actually do something um, as a church, as individuals, as a small group of people um, that, that is great for the glory of God. I think here we see that a believing friend is someone that is strong, resolute, and prayerful. For us, we need to find a friend like this, and we need to be a friend like this. The next observation, um, uh, so first we had uh, the friends, the next one is the crowd. Luke 5 verse 18 to 19 says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Mark um, chapter 2 has the, has the account of the story as well. And Mark 2 verse 4 says, Since they were unable to get to Jesus through the crowd, they uncovered the roof above him, made an opening, and lowered the paralytic on his mat. We've all been in crowds. Um, you know, we know that crowds are ruthless. Uh, or in this case, crowds are roofless. <laughs> That's such a dumb joke. Um, you know, we, we've seen crowds and we've been in crowds. You know, like, um, uh, we, we went to Avengers Endgame. We went to Toronto. There's maybe like six or seven of us. This was back obviously in, 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 uh, in 2019. And we were joking because we were just like a group of lads. And we are joking about how sometimes crowds, they can be like loud and they can be like laughing with each other and they can just be like, ah, and not really like caring about like the environment around them. And so we were reenacting what, what an unruly crowd would look like walking into a cafe, but in reenacting what a crowd of guys would look like going into a cafe, we quite literally became that group of people who walk into a cafe like, ah, like dapping each other up, like making jokes, laughing, all of those things. And we see that um, uh, uh, crowds form when a group of individuals are just so focused on, on their crowd, on their group. Um, when, that, when, a, when, a, when a group of individuals are just focused on um, what they want to get out of, out of something. Uh, we, we see that crowds can get momentum. They can be uncaring about what others think. And sometimes there's, uh, you know, there's actually something kind of awesome about that, about being in a crowd and kind of not caring about what um, external people think and kind of having that confidence that comes with, like, you know, with, 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 a, with a group. But there is also something that can be quite dangerous when the crowd begins to be uncaring about what other people need. We see here that um, these men were unable to get this man who needed a moment with Jesus. They were unable to get this man to him because of the crowd. And we ask, what if the crowd had gotten out of the way? The four friends wouldn't have needed to climb onto the roof, you know, balancing someone that, that couldn't walk on a mat. Um, uh, in, in, in those times, there was a way that you could get onto the roof. You would climb onto these, there, there were steps on the side of the house. So you would have had to walk him up these steps, making sure that he wouldn't, you know, fall, making sure that he was balanced. 
Um, we see that if the crowd had parted, you know, Red Sea, if the crowd had parted, then Jesus would have been really easy to access. And for us, we can get so caught up in assuring that we are receiving what we want that we can ignore the needs of those around us. I don't want to be a crowd that um, makes it difficult for others to access Jesus. The crowd of Mark and Luke were made up of Pharisees and teachers of the law. We can't be a church that when people come, it's, it's, it's simply made up of a crowd of Christians that aren't paying mind to those that need Jesus. We can compare um, the gathering that happens in Luke a, a, a few verses later. This is Luke 5, verse 29 to 32. It says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were sitting with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In both instances, there is a crowd. Um, It feels like Jesus with the Pharisees is kind of like his day job, right? It's kind of like he's going through what he needs to do in order to show everyone that he really is the son of man. And that the great banquet, um, uh, this great banquet that Levi, his, his disciple, puts on for him is the ministry that Jesus is actually really, really excited for. The people that Jesus came for were unable to get to him because of the crowd of Pharisees and teachers of the religious law. But in the later account, the Pharisees were unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd of sinners and tax collectors, the people that Jesus did come for. My hope, um, and my hope is that you don't come to our church and see us as a crowd of Pharisees and teachers and people that make it difficult for you to access Jesus. My prayer is that you see us as a room full of sinners, of tax collectors, and people that want to invite you to the banquet to eat with Him. That we make it easy for you. That you don't need to navigate a crowd and, and climb up on a roof and dig through these tiles in order to get to Jesus. Romans 12, verse 9 to 13 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I pray that this is your experience. Whether you come to Ottawa or whether um, it's Toronto or whether it is through the online campus, I pray that um, this is the experience that you have from, from His people, from our church. If you already are in our church, then let's practice these things together so that we can avoid becoming a crowd that ignores the needs of others. Let's love sincerely, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another, honor each other, have zeal, serve the Lord, be joyful, patient, faithful, and let's be generous. The next observation here um, is their faith. Luke 5 verse 20 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. I feel like you can tell um, that this plan was executed by unorganized men <laughs> because there was no backup plan if Jesus didn't heal the guy, if he didn't heal the, um, the, the man on the mat. Because like, the effort it would have taken to walk him up, lower him, you know, dig, up, dig up the tiles, lower him. Imagine if like, Jesus didn't heal him. Like, what's the backup plan? What are they going to do? To bring him back up through the tiles would have been much more difficult than it was to lower him. It's like these guys were just like, this is plan A and there's nothing else. A couple of, uh, oh, maybe about a year ago actually, um, we all went to, to a cottage. I'm going to skip over like a bunch of details that might embarrass somebody because I'm going to get to like the part that's actually relevant for this. So someone um, got their car stuck because it, it was like the middle of winter and in order to, to leave this cottage, you had to drive up this really steep hill and they got their car stuck. The car started to slide um, almost like off a bank. Um, so it was, quite a, it, was, it, was, it was actually quite a stressful moment. Um, and yet, you know, 
all of us there were kind of like standing around because we had Mike Humphrey. And so when Mike Humphrey told the story later on, I remember he, he, he was telling it to Dallin, and we're talking about it, and he was complaining about how all of us were standing around. He's like, they were standing around waiting for something. And I said to Mike, I said, yeah, bro, we're waiting for you. Like, no one else was going to get us out of, that, out of that situation. No one else was going to get the car out. It had to be Mike. And so these men, they definitely had a Mike on their team because not one of them had a plan B, plan C. They were like, ah, if it goes wrong, you have to have a Mike. So Mike ends up, he, gets, he, he does, he, he manages to like get a plank underneath the car, stops it from skidding while driving, manages to get it out, reverses it back down. Um, and then, woohoo, car, we did it, we did it. Well, Mike did it, because that's what all of us were waiting for. Um, for us, we think about um, uh, the, the, the idea that faith really is inspiring. The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Um, one translation says that Jesus saw their bold belief. The key here, I think, is that their faith could be seen. It was bold, it was disruptive, it was visible, it was obvious. As Christians, we can't have a faith that is solely public. However, we also can't have a faith that is only private. To the one who reads this and, 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 and has a visible and, and public faith, what are you doing in your private life to maintain that zeal? To the one that follows Jesus' teaching and, and prays behind closed doors and has a private faith, what are you doing to show others your faith? Their bold belief and visible faith led to a miracle. Hebrews 11 um, is filled, it, 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 they, um, they call it the, not the, oh, the hall of faith. So you know, like the hall of fame, the hall of faith. Um, and it's all of the heroes in the Bible um, that had a public and visible faith, that um, had a hope and, and, and a desire to please the Lord. All of them were, were far from perfect. The Bible makes that abundantly clear, um, that you know, the Bible is filled with imperfect people who just have a faith and a desire um, to, to, to chase after God's heart. All of these were, um, uh, they, they, they made mistakes, they were broken. Um, but all of them were filled with faith, a visible faith. Paul of Romans 1 verse 8 um, in, in, in his letter to the Romans says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. It wasn't being reported that they were um, really awesome and cool people. It wasn't being um, uh, uh, reported that they had the most fun. It wasn't being reported um, that they had the best food. But it was their faith that was being reported all over the world. And in order for the faith to be reported, it had to be visible, it had to be public. If we want to make a difference as a church all over the world, we need to be a church of faith, both private and public. There's a, a book called Blue Fishing, and it was written by Steve Sims. And this is a quote um, from the book that I've pulled. And it says, we are all constantly being taught that we can't do this or that. The average toddler is told no more than 400 times a day. It has been instilled in us for so long and from such a young age, stay with the pack, safety in numbers, don't wander off, don't climb too high, swim out too far, ride too fast, don't look dumb. We're taught to follow and not inspire. Sometimes I think that um, we as Christians can adopt this mindset. Um, we can kind of um, think about our faith and we kind of think that we don't want to wander too far off with our faith. We don't want to believe too much. We don't want to um, climb too high with our faith. We, we, want to, we want to stay with the pack. We want to have a kind of um, reserved faith that isn't bold, that isn't front-footed. But imagine if these guys had had a faith like that. Imagine if they had stayed with the pack. Imagine if they didn't carry a, 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 a paralyzed man up some stairs. Imagine if they didn't dig a hole through the roof. These friends had faith that was front-footed, uncaring of the judgment of others. So where does faith come from? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22, it says, While Jews clamor for miraculous demonstration and Greeks go in for philosophical wisdom, we go right on proclaiming Christ the crucified. Faith doesn't come from um, miraculous demonstrations and faith doesn't come from um, philosophical conversations. I love both of those. Don't get me wrong. I love, uh, who, yeah, who doesn't love a miracle? I love a miracle. 
I also love a good um, debate about, you know, what does this mean or what does that mean? But those two things aren't going to give us faith. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 to 5 um, says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. It's probably a good thing, I think, that um, their faith doesn't rest on human wisdom um, and on miraculous demonstrations. Because um, I'm not, maybe you are, again, maybe you're, this is, this is probably like a, um, a connotation name where I'm like, maybe you're the one who's praying for all of these things, and then you're probably also seeing miracles all the time. That's awesome. Um, but I'm not living in constant miraculous demonstrations. And if, 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 if my faith was dependent on um, a, a, a constant and, um, and a, a never-ending um, miraculous demonstration, then my faith would be, would be all over the place. In the same way that if my faith um, was, was, was uh, uh, dependent on my own wisdom, then that would be the most fickle faith in all the world. I'm filled with doubts, I make mistakes, um, sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes it's just, you know, I, I, I haven't had a good sleep and that, that actually makes a, makes a huge impact on me. As I've told people, like, I don't, get, I don't get hangry, but I get so stroppy when I'm tired. So I need to make sure that I have good sleeps. I think for us, we need to know that um, experiences are beneficial. They provide wisdom, but faith doesn't come from these things. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I said it already, but I do enjoy these conversations. I love debates. I love sharing different opinions. I love receiving practical advice from trusted people. I love the good, um, I love the good you know, authentic argument. But these things don't give me faith. The Word has to give me faith from Christ. And the last observation um, that we have today, uh, the miracles. It says this, When Jesus saw their faith, He said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then, then later on He says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. There are two miracles that take place here. The most obvious one um, is clearly the healing. The healing is, is the reason why people were so amazed. It's the reason why um, at, the, at the end of that passage that we read at the very beginning, it says that the people were filled with awe and that they had seen amazing things there today. It's, it's, it's almost like it's the reason why the man uh, 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 you know, walks away praising God. Um, and we see that, that the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus to heal that day. Um, we see that in earlier passages as well, Jesus heals um, people with leprosy. It says that Jesus healed many people. And so we know that, that Jesus is capable of healing. We know that um, uh, these people would have been almost like expecting a healing. Because that, that's kind of like, you know, this is, this is early in Jesus' ministry career. He hasn't even got the whole 12 disciples yet. And so that's kind of become um, the thing that people are expecting to receive from Jesus. What's really interesting is that... Um, the healing is almost an afterthought for Jesus. Um, Jesus healed the man as a way to prove that he had authority to forgive and to save his soul. We see that um, the first miracle was Jesus forgiving this man and saving his soul. But imagine being the friends here. Imagine you go through um, all of that effort. You go through, um, again, digging, digging the hole, lowering Jesus. And then Jesus just looks at the man and says, um, your sins are forgiven. At the time, there's got, to be like a little, there's got to be like a little bit of you that's like a little bit disappointed because practically you're going like, like, you know, like, come on. You know, there's something here that like I need, you know. I was in, uh, I was in New York. This was in uh, 20, yeah, 2018, just before I moved to Canada. Uh, I, was there, I was there with my best mate. His, name, his name's Aaron. Um, and we're getting onto the subway. And in New York, I think it was like uh, August, so it's just super hot. The subways are warm. It's just sticky, yucky. You know, it's New York. It smells weird all of those things, and we're waiting for the subway to pull up, and we're, 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 we're running, and we need to get somewhere on time. And so the subway comes, we're stoked, because we're like, we can just get on this straight away. 
So I jump on, a couple of other people jump on with me, but my friend hasn't gotten on yet. And then he, he just hear, we just hear this like, ah, and screaming. I turn, there's someone that has fallen in between the gap um, of the platform and the subway. So they're fallen, their arm, I'm gonna do it this way, their arm's like this, legs like this, and they're, they're, half, they're half on the on the platform like that. My friend Aaron is a freaking hero. Because he grabs this woman, he literally like pulls her out of the out of the uh, the, the the gap. He genuinely saved her life. Like literally saved this woman's life. There's blood gushing from her. My, my, uh, Aaron has like some napkins and stuff. He manages to push uh, the, the napkins on her head, stops the bleeding. Um, and luckily there was a, a, a doctor that came by and actually managed to call and help and, and told us exactly what to do. And Aaron, he like had the blood on his hands to prove it. He's a genuine hero, a genuine hero. But imagine if like when he sees this woman fall through the, through the crack, there's like an obvious need, right? There's like something that she clearly needs to be pulled up to safety. Imagine if Aaron, who doesn't have the power to do this, but imagine if he just goes, your sins are forgiven. You, as the woman, you'd be like, yo, like, thanks, but, like, help me, you know? And I feel like that's, that's what happens here. It feels like these, these, uh, these men go through all of this effort just for Jesus to say that your sins are forgiven. But I think that's kind of an example that Jesus sees us, um, not in a moment, but Jesus looks at us and thinks of eternity. Uh, we see here that the more important miracle is Jesus saving the man's soul. The men wanted a healing miracle, but Jesus had eternity in mind. And what's really cool about this is that Jesus is actually breaking down salvation for us in a kind of step-by-step -step, um, example of, of, of how it works. Romans 10 verse 10 says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The man was first made right with God. In an instant, Jesus forgave him because of their faith. Then it says that uh, uh, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. We see here that the man declared his faith. The man experienced the Lord's voice. The man experienced his word. At his word, there was light. The sun, the moon, the stars, and planets were created. At his word, life came to this earth. At his word, creation is held together and sustained. At his word, empires rise and fall. At his word, healing takes place. And at his word, sins are forgiven. And the best news for all of us is that this miracle is available for us today. It says again, uh, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. In just a second, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna pray with us. Uh, in the chat, there's gonna be a, a, a salvation altar call button. You can actually click that button and it will say that you, you, you raise your hand. The reason why we have that is because it's, it's a symbolic gesture um, that you are acknowledging externally um, that you do believe that, that He is Lord, that you do believe that your sins are forgiven. And obviously it starts on the inside. So if you are, if you are um, uh, sitting there and you're feeling that um, you know, in your heart that you do believe that, 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 he is, uh, that He has saved you, that you do believe that your sins are forgiven, click that button as a kind of open um, declaration that He is Lord. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray. So I'm going to say one line of a prayer, and then you can, you can repeat after me. It's because of this. It goes, Dear Lord, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you accept me. I thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross. And I thank you that you forgive me. Today I accept Christ as my Savior, and I confess that you are Lord. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, guys, that's us for today. Um, happy Mother's Day. So stoked. If you're a mother, please be celebrated today. Um, we just so appreciate everything that you do. I'm going to hand back to our MCs, and we'll see you next week. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media 
and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.